Welcome to the Trash Lanch podcast. We are at 100% today, technically. I have, my name is Mike Poucher. I am here with Britt Pibus and Liam Halliburton. Brent is not feeling so good after his trip. Sounds like he got COVID and the rest of his family did not. So lucky him. Um, so we got Liam here today. Our reigning senior world champion and we're gonna kind of just talk to him a little bit talk about the metagame heading into baltimore and we'll see where the conversation goes so liam what's up man how's it feel to be a world champion uh feels good um i don't know i'm excited i'm excited to move on to masters though i think it's like a new hurdle new challenge mm. do you think it'll be a lot harder or about the same i don't know what are you like why think, are you excited about i think it? i was guessing <laughs> i was talking about this with caden hyatt i think there's like four tiers of players in masters which mm-hmm. is like low tier mid tier and then there's like mid high tier okay like high tier and i'd say i'd probably place myself like mid tier like mid high tier so i think mm-hmm. i think it's gonna be like difficult but hopefully i do like okay maybe make day two and then do really bad from there but <laughs> hopefully make day two that's what i'm looking forward to one thing I remember when I, I mean, it was definitely a different game when I, the couple of years that I played in seniors, but the, I do still remember, and I'm sure this is at least somewhat true. One of the major differences is you could predict the metagame much more consistently in masters than you could in seniors. I felt like in seniors, people just played like random crap all the time. Um, do you think that's true or has that changed over the years? I, I think that's like, it's like generally changed, I think because of like the pandemic and like the way, like, I think like seniors right now is like way more competitive than it used to be because like everyone who's been playing or like is still playing is just people who've been like grinding for like the last like three years playing online tournaments like every day. So like, there's like a lot of really good players and they play like way more meta decks than I think like I've seen in the past. Um, with seniors just playing like random junk every tournament yeah i remember i think it was when i was coaching you and your brother just trying to figure out like how to predict for juniors and seniors versus predicting for masters it's like very different exercises just for whatever reason like on one hand too i think it like you know i don't think this is being like too charitable or what have you but like i would say like probably like the average senior is probably better than the average master i would say just in the sense that like I think a, a master is much more likely to go to one of this these 70 tournament, $70 regionals and like, and it might be their first time. Whereas I think just sort of, as we've seen across the pandemic, like the, the younger divisions are just shrinking because it's nothing but the hyper competitive. And so for that reason, like, I think you can expect a, a little more centralized metagame, but also at the same time, like not as innovative so like you, you're not like you just don't have the same kind of innovation as you see in the masters so I guess like it's harder and easier at the same time it's just like always been my general sense and just like I don't know but then at the same time too you never you might just end up getting like that random deck but again because I think that younger age divisions are shrinking there's just there's less and less less and less of that in general but I would I would expect like if you're going to play a jank deck like round one or two like I would expect that more as a masters, like particularly if you like lose or tie your first round, if you start a, a nine round tournament in kind of the lower bracket, like I think that's when you're, you're at your highest, ch- highest percentage chance just to play something um, off the wall. Yeah. That's something, that's something I've, I've noticed a lot, which is like um, in seniors is like it, but because there's like no new players at like, at like round two or three, you're like literally hitting somebody going for like the, top 32 race i guess this year mm-hmm. and like they're usually playing like an on meta deck um because they're getting like coaching from some top master who hands them like some on meta deck to play with <laughs> and so like the meta is like much more predictable but it's like it's like pretty competitive like i mean like the seniors are like generally like a little worse but it's still, it's still super competitive because they're like it's like top 16 top 32 players or at least players like playing for that i mean it's it's crazy just the how the coaching has sort of become such a factor too like are like are, how many if you if you even know like of these these stipend chasers like aren't being coached yeah, it, by, it, by a tour like, or Azul. literally every player in seniors right now yeah that's that's just <laughs> that's just crazy to me like it's it's not surprising you know and just in the way the the landscape the, the architectonic has developed in this way but just like thinking about that like 
back in my day, or at least when I was first starting and like a junior, you know, just a local kid got top four at nationals as a junior and just like really didn't know how to play and things like that. And, you know, similar seniors, you know, seniors and could win a regionals in 2010, 2011, and also probably not really know how to play like, like things like that. And now it's just like, yeah, everyone is being coached by someone who is by someone that's just incredible. It's just like, very intimidating and also something you don't you don't get at least to the same degree and in masters a lot of people are getting coached too but it's like i don't know those the people get, the people in masters getting coached like probably need it more than the seniors do again because i think this, this the play of these seniors is just roughly on a higher level than like your average master so it's just like you know for me playing against like a, someone that toured coaches round one like it's not going to intimidate me, but like playing, playing round seven against a, a senior that's coached by Tord or is playing Azul's list, like in, in your finals, for instance, like that's like really hard to like, it just seems like, I don't know, coaching has always been strange too, to me in the sense that it's difficult. And I've had these conversations about it somewhat recently in that like, it's hard to parse like what people are after in their coaching. Like is, are they after technical sort of development or are they just like, are they paying a little extra for this like secret stream of knowledge or something? And like, that's an interesting sort of dynamic to me. Is it just, and I don't, I don't think it quite works that way. Like towards not giving out his deck lists. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think he's giving his clients the Vicavolt Radiant Charizard deck, but like is still able to like help them as much as they can. But that's, I don't know. I, I like don't get much value. I think out of coaching. That's why like I haven't done it recently is like, it's like, I think the most value I would get out of it is just like paying to play a good player for like a couple hours or something. But like, if you're just paying for like however much money it is a game, it gets like pretty expensive if you're like only going for that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm certainly not of these caliber of these coaches, but like when I did coach and I, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, I always really felt like there was such a limit to what I could teach. Like the, the, the lessons are, you know, even for a beginner player, which I have plenty of, like, are just basic, you know, the harder, harder things to teach is like, we don't need to play any more cards, just stop here, like all of these cards are good, let's just hold on to them and end our turn. And then but at, at a certain point, it's just like, okay, and now, you know, the format has evolved a little bit. And so I think coaching people under the Intellion engine and format is probably a lot different than when it's nothing but draw supporters and pray but that's how I felt like so many of my games would turn out is just like okay and now we sit back and hope they miss off this end and hope we draw what we need to off their end and <laughs> it felt it felt bad at a certain point being like all right thanks thanks for you know $25 an hour for these two games where we lost all of them on Roxanne and draw blah 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 <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I've, I've said it before and it's something I'm continuing to think about, but like, I think I could stand for a little coaching, but it's not something I feel like I would need to like permanently invest in just like maybe a, an hour here, an hour there, just like, okay, I get it. Or like, you've taught me this meta point that's just gone over my head for a while and then, and then I could move on. But yeah, it's just, for me, it would be more about like, and I've, I've said this before too, but if I could like subscribe to like. I think like Jay Hornung or Jimmy Pendarvis is just like, if I could pay them a hundred dollars a seasons to always have their deck list the night before or something like that, like I would do that, you know, probably m much quicker than I would hire a coach. Yeah. All makes sense to me. Good commentary. Um, so before Liam, before we get into like your run, I am curious, uh, I would say like three of the seniors, well, two out of these three are going to be like really obvious based on their performance at NAIC and the rest of the season. But I'm kind of curious on all three. So, uh, cause none of them made top eight, as far as I know, Kaya, uh, Rune and Reagan, right? None yeah. of them made top eight. So do you know, can you give us information? What happened with them? Do you know anything? Um, I know Rune hit Regan round one. So, Oh really? <laughs> yeah. That kind of messed up both their tournaments. Um, yeah, so Rune started 0-1 because he lost Regan round one, and then I I tied him round three. Mm. So, yeah, like how did Reagan do? He had to win out, and I guess he didn't. Um, I know I know Kaya was in a similar spot. I think Kaya just had a rough tournament. Mm. He was playing Palkia and just like probably hit bad matchups or something. Okay, Kaya played Palkia. What did Rune and Reagan play? Uh, Rune was playing Palkia. He's playing Palkia with Cologne. Okay. Uh, Regan was playing like Arctica. 
something. Okay, so kind of the same <laughs> stuff from uh, from any I see. Um, okay, um, yeah, and you started off what one 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 as well. Yeah, I I beat a Mew round one. I hit Rune round three, and then round two I hit like an Intel Charizard, mm -hmm. and I opened like Zigzagoon pass. So I just like scooped really fast because like I you have to go fast to win that matchup. And then game two, I got I got turned two Charizarded, so just like awesome. How did, wait, what? How does that even work? <laughs> they, they went like Magma Basin, Raihan for Twin Choice Belt two eighty. Oh, uh, uh, you took a prize, and then they did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I yeah. I didn't push for a Palkia that turn because I was trying to like set up Sobbles so that I could set up quick shooting plays and take mm -hmm. pressure. And I was like, if I just get turned two Charizard, I lose, and I got turned two Charizard. So yeah, I guess that like that seems okay to me, even though. Even though you lost game one and you scoop pretty quickly, like it's still probably five to ten minutes or five minutes at least. And like you said, that matchup can take a long time. So I think it's like kind of a stretch for them to uh, to do that play. So I think it's fine to like just try and expedite the game to make sure that if you play game three, you can play a long game three. Makes sense. Okay, so you start one one one, and then you win a lot of games. So what? Any any interesting ones in those? I don't think so. Oh yeah, I hit I hit another Intel box round four, maybe five. I can't remember where we look. Yeah, round four. I, I hit an Intel box and they were they were playing some striker. They were playing like a two ones of striker, but like I don't know, the game just went really well for me. I like Gus KO'd Manaphy turn two. They weren't playing carrier. Carrier's really good. Mm -hmm. Um I Gus KO Manaphy and then they missed getting the Manaphy back and they like zip striker to KO the Palkia, but then I went like double KO and I hit the Blitzels. And then they went into Charizard to kill the Greninja. And then I went like quick shooting, Zig, Net, KO the bench Mew, Roxanne, because they benched the Mew early. So mm -hmm. I got a ping on at the earlier turn. And then, yeah, I like, uh, I did that play, KO the Mew, Roxanne, Path, the Charizard, and like took a KO on the Charizard and they just missed after that. Uh, so I, like, I don't know. I, I feel like that Intel Charizard deck. Is shouldn't have a favorable Palkia matchup, or at least like I think Ross's list is pretty pretty good. Like <laughs> I think that probably fixes it. Like it's playing the switchers. It's much more Charizard focused. I think it's just like way more consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's definitely it's the best Charizard list for sure. But um, but even so, like Palkia matchup can be a little sketchy, especially like you mentioned playing quick shooting. Quick shooting can swing it um by always threatening the Mew. So you're right. If you bench Mew too early, they threaten the, you know, they just got to ping it once and then you can always ping, scoop up ping. Um, sometimes you were for, forced to bench it early. I don't know. We, we can talk more about Charizard. Yeah, yeah. They missed the net. So like they, they couldn't hit the, they couldn't heal the Mew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, round five, my tournament almost ended. In game three, I opened like Palkia nothing and I went like attach, attach, and then Gus KO Sobble attack. And like I had like no bench at that point. They had a choice belt and an ice rider, and they promoted the Palkia instead of the ice rider. <laughs> and then they like they like instantly face palmed and just went like V star attack with Palk instead of the ice rider. Wow. And then you drew stuff next turn. <laughs> and they prized the other two Sobble, and I got a quick ball off the prize. So then yeah, I like drew out and they missed pieces like the rest of the game. Nice. I mean, that's just like I think an important just like note to pause on for a second. Cause I think that like, you know sometimes we we just look at our, our luck in the wrong ways and that that you that you've won the that you're the world champion or that your tournament could have just ended there on a single play is you know some, something that i think about a lot i think it was like an i think i'm pretty sure jay wrote it just in an old six prizes article but just like you know every every single big tournament win is like paved by like by luck essentially like little things have to go your way like no matter what to win anything like remotely big uh, it's just I think that's something that we like forget yeah, sometimes. Like, like post about Lunar Rock. Well, right. I, I don't I don't know if it was the right reasons to play on Lunar Rock, but I think it was like pretty insightful about just like how like day two is like a super competitive environment and like if you're gonna if you're gonna win you have to high roll. And then he was like Yeah, oh. no, we talked a little bit about that last week, I think. And I, I do think there's definitely something there too, or at least like you know, the point was when you when the quality of your the players you're expecting is actually pretty high you know, the margins where you can actually outplay someone goes, gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And then sometimes like to the point where it's like, maybe I just play this bad deck that if I get the right matchups, it'll all go really well. And that's like, that's hard. I mean, even too, there's like, there's a lot of, 
matchup roulette. Like, I don't know the, not to say that I, I don't think I would have done very well at NAIC, but like my Mewtwo run was sort of plagued by just like several, two unwinnable matchups in my like six or seven rounds. Whereas like Sander got top four and like, it just got fed Palkia like the whole time. And I just like, I hit non Palkia, like I hit a bad matchup round one and was immediately just like swimming for my life the entire tournament. And again, it's just like, you can make the right, you know, the best player doesn't always win every event. You can make the best pay, play for an event and it, it doesn't pay out. Like all these just sort of like important semantics that I think are important to really understand on like a deep level in order to be like as successful of, of a player as possible. Yeah, I, speaking of that, I hit, I don't know, I like, I think Palkia is like really, really strong going first, and I won a lot of like really important coin flips. I hit, I hit the Jolteon shopping center thing, like the Palkia shopping center Jolteon round six, but I went first and I hit turn two ninja game one and game three. <laughs> and like, then yeah, they, I, they just missed Jolteon. And that deck is like, I don't know, once they missed Jolteon, it was like, really surprising to me how much it struggled to just hit knockouts because like they just miss like a lot of pieces they like never hit like the belt zig plays to like ko on four or like when i four bench or something like they just miss a lot of pieces because they just like research and pray kind of yeah that's what i was gonna say it's just all in all in the, the draw engine yeah there's nothing they can do but research and pray like you have to hope to draw the the balls for the extra benches for your damage and things like that and if you miss you're just like uh, next turn i guess yeah, so, so, like, as long as I dealt with the Jolteon, it was fine. I got turned through Jolteon game two and, like, instantly lost. But game one and game three, I hit Ninja. Um, round seven and eight, I hit Stone Jr. Mewtwo. Crab was really, really good. Stone Jr. Oh, so Stone Jr. and the Mewtwo stall deck? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Crab seems really good <laughs> in both of those matchups. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I went to the asymmetric cut. The asymmetric cut thing is weird. I think it's, like... It's like a good thing, but making cut and then being forced to play another round and I might get top 16 was like really scary. Um, would you, I forget, would you have made top eight if it was just top eight? Yeah. 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 Uh, what were you like sixth or seventh or something like that? Sixth. Sixth. Okay. Yeah. Seniors had a really big asymmetry. Uh, but, but like the thing was too, it was like I was 611 and then there was a kid who made like eight that was 62. So like uh, all the six twos all the way down played up, and I and yeah. I had to play another round. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it wasn't fun, but yeah, and like that's not the intended. It's weird, right? Because that's not the intention of the asymmetric cut. The asymmetric cut intention is to make sure if a ninth place person was six one one, they yeah, would yeah, get screwed yeah, exactly. out. But it it was weird, and it shook out that. I mean, like I I don't think there's like a great way to go about it. I mean, like obviously someone's gonna get the short end of the stick, right? Somebody has yeah. to get ninth. But, um, and like, if it's not clean, it's not going to be clean, but it does suck. Yeah. Um, okay. um, but yeah, I hit, I hit mirror and they, they just drew pretty poorly. They prize Roxanne one game. So they like, couldn't come back. And then what did I hit in top eight? Oh, in top eight, I hit another mirror and yeah, they just break game three. So I won that as well. Um, and then top four, I hit RCS me too. And I don't know. That deck just like they like didn't even seem functional. That was my first didn't time. Know that deck made top four. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was my first time like playing with or against the deck. Like I I've like never seen it before. I'd seen it like obviously like on Limitless and I knew it was a thing, but like I wasn't familiar with the lists at all or like how it played. But I literally just like I set up Palki and just like took KOs and like <laughs> you just hit him really hard. <laughs> yeah, like know, it worked out great. Um, and then. Yeah, obviously, finals happened. I I watched the finals back. I played. I, I did not play well. That was like there there were. I think there were a lot of different lines, but like it's like a really stressful situation. Like when yeah. you're in front of that many people, and like I that's only my like or it's like my second time playing on like a big stage like that. Right, I played once at nationals, mm -hmm. so like I don't know. I, I just don't have a lot of experience in those situations, and it's really stressful. I I played like okay, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you played poorly at all. I think you, what you, what was your opponent's name again? Sebastian. Sebastian. I think he played very well as well. I think both of you played well. I'm sure there's like little things here and there, but um, like you said, both decks are Intellion decks and and not incredibly linear. So there's so many different ways that you could 
play any given turn, but more, more, there's so many ways you could play on a macro level. Like, um, like I mentioned to you that I wasn't like, I think the quadruple zigzagoon play into KO was a good line, but I'm not sure if it was the absolute best line because it left you with no shady dealing options. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't and know. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. It was just like, it's just interesting to think about that. Cause I pressed the goon or the, the quick shooting. So like, yeah, that was my only like line to get a knockout on a big Urshifu. And like, yeah. if I like Gus KO, it's like, I'm in like a weird spot off Roxanne. Like, even though I'm a little bit better set up for it, I like, I lose my ability to like take a big one hit. So like, I don't know. It's just a weird situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For sure. Um, and did you, did it feel a little anticlimactic to you? Like game three kind of just being like, Oh, here's two turns. I win because I'm Palky and I went first. Yeah. That game game three was like such a steal. Um, I think like, like I don't know. I, I saw my opening hand and I was just like, there's a literally nothing Sebastian can do. I, like, yeah. I, I was going to hit Hydro Break for the Meta Charm of the Urshifu or just like Pokia the Yeah. Because like he can't not bench Urshifu, right? Like yeah, he yeah. has to like, at least bench Urshifu to try and win. Yeah. I, it, my, my opening hand was good. So I, I like know I was going to win from that point. I got like, I, there, there was one moment that was like re- really funny to me, which was, I was just like really jittery at the end. Like I was like super nervous and jittery. And like before Roxanne, I had like a bucket that I, I was like using to thin. And I ended up playing it, but I was like, I for a second I like didn't want to play it because I just wanted to like take the KO to get it over with. Cause like <laughs> jittery. So I was like, I wasn't like going through like the actions right away, but I mean I, I played the bucket. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was just funny because like both of the first two games were some of the best games we saw on stream the whole weekend. And then it just kind of it was just kind of like, uh, here's this two-turn game three <laughs> to decide the winner. Um, it was like it was a little unfortunate, but I mean the first two games were so incredible that uh it's you know it's all it's all good. Um who what what was the deck that um Sebastian beat in top four? Was it also Palkia? Um no, it was it was RCS Flying Peak. Oh, okay. So you're you were probably happy that he won. <laughs> I I was like kind of happy. I don't know. I, I overestimate the the flying peak matchup for Palkia. I, I feel more confident against that than I do. The, like, because I hadn't played against the Urshifu matchup before. And like in my testing the night prior, it was like it was a scary matchup because like it's kind of like the stone general matchup in the sense that like you just like get a lot of value out of the crab and you win um i ended up like not really using the crab but like that's like the the idea mm-hmm. and um but like urshifu is just like way faster it's like stone general but they put on like way more pressure so it's just like much harder to set up the crabominable play so like it, I don't know. It was, it was just like a pretty scary matchup um, for me. And like the other thing about it was like, I found that like the Urshifu players, like they, they have, they have like an easy time responding to the pressure that Palkia puts on in the sense that they're just like giving up prizes and, and they're like, it's really easy for them to like stream attackers and stuff and like stream Cheryl. And it's just whether or not I hit this like really massive combo. Like Urshifu doesn't really have any counterplay against like, just like double quick shooting crab, but it's really easy for them to train chain Urshifu and just win as long as I don't hit that combo or like I don't hit a big one hit. So it's like it was like scary in the sense that I it, it was like easy an easier matchup I think for Sebastian than it was for me or like I w- I wouldn't put it like that, but it was like it, it's just like there's like less pressure you have to respond to. The game is just like also like less out of your control, I guess. It's like, it's just whether or not Palkia hits a big one hit. And that's like scary for me because there was like a lot of pressure. It's really difficult to set up. And like, if I just, if I didn't draw well, I like wouldn't be able to set it up. But I forgot where I was going to put that. <laughs> but you did it. You won. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. It's super exciting. Oh, oh yeah. It was something. Yeah. The, the RCS flying peak matchup, I was more, I was like, I, I play, I tested against more. And like I was like, oh, I just like if I just draw well and I go first, like I have a, I have a pretty decent shot. But like the Urshifu matchup, I was like really scared. 
scared of him. Like, it's not just like drawing well, it's like hitting this really big crab combo instead of just like hitting big Palkia attacks, which is like what the deck's built to do. And instead have to like set up this big crab combo, like without using shady dealings, kind of like, it's, it's really weird playing against Sunjourner because anytime you use like one of the, like the, the shady dealings in Teleon, you have to waste the net to like get your bench space back or you like don't use Greninja or something like that. And especially in the Urshifu matchup, because you also have to bench Manaphy. So like all of your nets and bench space are like pr- pressed really, really tight. So it's hard to like set up that, that combo um, where you hit like multiple quick shooting in a turn. Because um, it just takes like so many Drizzles and you already have to use your nets. And like every time you use like one of the big shady dealings to try and set up this combo, you have to use like another net so you can open up another space for Trizile. So like, I, it's like a, it's a really weird matchup and Flying Peak is like more straightforward and like the deck is like more built to beat it. And like, it's still unfavored, like, especially if you go second, you just lose, but it's a, it's like more straightforward at least. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So I got two questions on your Palkia list. Uh, so the, well, you've already talked about crab, you've hyped up crab. I don't need to talk about that anymore. Did you miss Palpat at all? Palpat, second Melanie, both those cards aren't needed. Aren't needed. You're saying no, you don't, you didn't miss them. Yeah. Like there, there are games where it gets really tight, but you like, even as it's tight, you never need more. Like, because like, if you have to go through that many attackers and like, you already have access to like, what is it? Uh, you have like seven plus three plus 11 energy. And like, obviously you're throwing stuff away off Greninja. So yeah. like, it doesn't really count, but like, it's, it's pretty easy for the deck to set up like three or four attackers, like with just one melee, you know, you don't really need the second. And as long as you get like good V-star value, like in the sense that you can't just like V-star on turn one, if the Palkia is going to get like instantly knocked out back, if you're not like powering up a second Palkia. Uh, you're fine. Like you, you literally just have to V star two energy and you can power up three Palkias and yeah. you, you don't need second Melanie. And like, I don't even know what you'd be getting back other than second Melanie. Like second boss is only good if you prize a switcher and you don't get it out off your first two gust effects. Like, yeah. The only other thing that I've, since I've tested a lot of the Charizard deck going, uh, Roxanne, Palpad Roxanne against the Charizard deck is good, but like that's like such a niche use case. Yeah, probably- yeah. I, like the double rock sand is like it's. I don't know. It comes up like a little bit, but like it's like kind of forced. And at the same time, like I feel like the deck is just like not working. If you're at a place where you, you're going like double rock sand instead of like using boss or Melanie or something, like you're just not being aggressive. If like you're giving up all that to go double rock sand, like yeah. it, it gets like something like Intel Char where the game's like way slower. It's like pretty good, but. And, and, and like other matchups and like especially against like V's and stuff like you just never get to a situation like that where you'd rather like Roxanne again than just like boss to win because usually you win pretty fast yeah makes sense all right my second question a lot of Pachyalists that play quick shooting drop Zigzagoon agree that that you, you shouldn't should you do that or should you keep both yeah, keep, keep both all right like First of all, they like complement each other in the sense that, all right, it's it's like way easier to set up abominable plays and like just quick shooting plays in general because you can go, you don't have to commit two Drizzles to go for 40 damage. You just go like quick shooting, zigzagoon, net, zigzagoon, and you hit 40 instead of having to have like two Drizzles, which means that like the second Drizzle, since you usually don't have that much space since one of it goes to like Greninja and you have like two attacker slots or like attacker Manaphy and then like you have this like last flex spot, I guess um but i guess could go to drizzle but like setting up three drizzles is pretty hard and like which means that like if you only have two it's like way easier to hit quick shooting combos i, I just generally say and then also like the best part of zigzagoon is hitting turn two like belt zig to hit for 280 or like turn two turn three just like really aggressive belt zigzagoon um and like quick shooting doesn't really fill that spot yes yeah. like fills a bench like zigzagoon is like a free belt kind of early and gets a bench space plus 10. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I just uh, wanted to hear hear you agree with me <laughs> as well. Um, I know, I just know that I've seen people not play Zigzagoon. I'm like, dude, how do you play Palky without Zigzagoon? That card is insane. It's very weird. Um, 
Britt, do you have questions for our friend? None so far. Um, I guess one thing I was thinking about, I can't remember this. You don't get points for worlds anymore, right? You just get like prizes and then our, everyone starts at zero for the season. Or do you have an automatic invite? I don't remember. I, I have like an automatic invite, but it doesn't count for points, I guess. Right. You just you just get go to day one. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I, I think at least that's that's my career. Yeah, I, I thought I was somewhere in there. I was like, I'm pretty sure you don't get points anymore. Cause that like no, the last season, season I did I well, like that would always points, like. affect the stipend race. It was it was always just such a snowball. It's just like, well, this person with world's points who made top 32, they, they get a free trip to London and then right. and then they're just in the top <laughs> 16 all year. It was like the last the last season that I played pretty seriously. It was like something like that. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't think I have any questions. I'd be curious as to like. I, mean, like I, I guess that's a lie. I do have questions. Where? What are your thoughts on where the format goes from here? I think just I guess to summarize like some of my own testing. This I think points to I forget if it was just on your decklist post or somewhere else, but just like I don't think anything beats Palkia going second, and that's I've spent I've spent the last week and a half or so like learning that and just being like, every game just feels so bad. <laughs> Yeah, like, and like are you are you worried i guess this, this will be a couple questions handle it however you'd like but like where do you think the format's going are you do you think jolteon will see more or less play based on worlds like should everyone just rock palkia and hope to go first like what are your thoughts what other decks do you have your eyes on um i i'd say like all right i think i think the format's gonna become more like I don't really know how to say. It. I guess triangle shaped <laughs> in the sense that it's just gonna be like I think mute. We're gonna see a lot of mute. You can already see it in like online tournaments. Those like don't always reflect the meta, but like there's a lot of mute in online tournaments, and I think people came out of like the open, especially thinking mute is pretty solid. Um, like the no fusionless and fusionless, frankly, just like pokey stop in general mute. Um, no pokey stop mute too. There's there's a lot of mute. There's a lot of ADP, and there's like probably a lot of Palkia, but I don't think Palkia will be as dominant as it was like going into Worlds um, as like the format like shifts around ADP and Mew, which are both like kind of built to just be Palkia counters because like Palkia is only countered in Mew is just like Path Roxanne um, other than being like a really good deck and you just like Gust 3 Genesex and win or like Greninja play like Meloetta Mew or something. Like uh, the, like the Mew tech is like Path Roxanne um, because it's like really solid in other matchups too, but like you play Path Roxanne, and that's like your like Mew counter kind of. Um, so like that's really light, and you just play Pumpkin and you can beat it, I guess theoretically. Um, so like yeah, with a lot of people dropping Mew techs, like Galarian Moltres is getting like no play. Um, Mew's in like a pretty good spot. So there's like a, there's been an uptick in Mew. There's been a lot of aid. like obviously ADP is a deck now, and Palkia is a deck. So I think it's going to be like a pretty even spread, like maybe like ten percent of the meta of like each of those decks going into Baltimore. Is ADP like the only way to play Arceus, the best way to play Arceus. Like, Arceus. like, what are you, what are your thoughts there? Um, I, I know there's gonna be there, there's gonna be somebody who goes into Baltimore just trying to play Arcantel because they think it beats like Flying Peak, but I it's a bad deck. I would play Arcantel. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I I think Flying Peak like Flying Peak is the only way you can get Arceus. I think to beat, um. Beat Palkia. Palkia can maybe Jolteon yeah. if you like draw well. Trades well, trades well, and you can just take an early initiative. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I, I, I've been playing Agron, I guess, more than anything else. And so that's not really like these other RCS decks. And I like Agron is cool. I don't, I don't lose. I've won. I've, I'm like actually X and one in my testing with that deck. My only loss being to a Lunatone deck, Lunatone Soul Rock that beat me really, really easily. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just hard for me to gauge. I'm, I'm in the typical PTCGO space where my opponents just do something awful and I win the game because of it. And so I'm just like, I think a real Palkia player would have crushed me, but I'm, I ended up winning this one a couple times and <laughs> things like that. I, but I, do, I do like Agron and think it's a fine, fine deck. Um, but yeah, Arceus is, that's like, a, it's a puzzle right now for me. I don't know. Yeah, just on that note and just like, feel like you really want Jolteon right now, like as an RCS player, just to sort of like shore up those matches, but then you're just so much worse against... Oh yeah, I, I think RCS Jolteon's deck. really good. Like, not even something you have to get it out, like, at least in the Palkia matchup. It's also good against Intel Char, but like, 
it's really good because it forces out like Greninja and basically just like acts as a bait away from your Arceus, allowing you to trade into Arceus. Because rather than them taking like a two prize knockout, they have to constantly like chase down Eevees, which is like lets you trade into Palkia well. Um, and like Greninja is kind of bad, but even then, it's like it's a little bit better if they just like hit the EV90 and then hit something, then you like share and carry. So like it, I, I think I think Jolteon is pretty solid in Arceus. Like even if you never get it out, just like the threat is really good. Grant Manly is currently playing in the late night. Four three Arceus, two two Jolteon, two two Chinchino, and a Crobat V. That's his Pokemon line. <laughs> it's funny. I, I was talking with someone last night about about the Chinchino Jolteon and just trying to revisit that. Trying to look at the robin's list or phillips list that one and trying to see like what what can i cut from this to try to fit other things because yeah i've been i guess just to talk a little bit about my testing i've been messing around with a lot of rcs ideas on top of agron and i've just been trying to make like straight rcs work but still do like aggressive things with it and just like try to do a little of both where you're, you're aggressive early game with boss belt zigzagoon and then can sharon's care to end and i've had decent success with that just like I want to try it with Inteleon next. I want to try it with like really thin Inteleon and like more nets for my goons and see if I can make that work. Um, but just otherwise, the only other attacker I have is Credominable and uh, I guess Luminion, if that counts. <laughs> they're like, they're okay. I mean, or not, not them as attackers. Obviously, Luminion stinks and Crab is good, but like the deck has felt decent. And I, I at least like I like these aggressive Arceus decks the way they're positioned right now. Um, it's just like I think if, but it, then it just cir- kind of circles back to this like, well, I go second. I don't know what I don't know what I'm supposed to do now in a lot of matchups. You're just like hope to Trinity charge and just hope that works out. But it's hard to do that without, um, you know, compared to the like VIP pass list. You, what you can bench on your first turn is just pretty limited compared to what four arena four VIP pass can usually get to. I should mention Grant is also playing four Crushing Hammer and three Fan of Waves. That is also relevant. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I think fan of Waves doesn't even seem that good. Like, what plays Special Energy? Mew? Mew? Yeah. <laughs> That's it, right? No, I, think I would just play I would just play Evital. Like, I thought about that earlier, and I have at least just like, okay, how am I going to beat Mew? I don't want to play Dark Pokemon. Maybe I can just play an Evital and hope to get there, and like, it seems okay. <laughs> Yeah, people aren't going to be expecting Evatol and Arceus lists, to be sure. Yeah. Um, all right, so we talked a little bit about Palkia. I really like, I like Palkia a lot, um, more so than I've liked Palkia since it came out. Uh, I personally think Jolteon is okay, and it'll see some play, but it's not going to be... The thing about the Jolteon list is that they're pretty, they're generally unfavored against the non-Jolteon lists, right? Uh, Non-Jolteon Arceus list, at least. And I do think Arceus, the ADP is going to be a pretty popular deck. So taking a pretty unfavored to the quote-unquote mirror doesn't sound great for improving your Palkia matchup. Only, it's so weird because like when you go first, it improves your Palkia matchup a lot. And when you go second, it doesn't improve it much at all. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's how I kind of look at it. Does that kind of make sense? Like you're like 90-10 if you find EV RCS turn one. You like just auto win if you find EV RCS against Pat. Right, right, right. But if you're not playing Jolteon and you go first, you're already in a pretty good spot, right? Like that feels pretty good. And so like you're you're making the games where you're already favored a lot more favored but sacrificing like your matchups against non-Palkia decks. Yeah, I, I was telling somebody, I think like the other day, like Jolteon just seems like, I don't know. I, I love Jolteon because everybody loves Inteleon, but like it's just such an awful card. Like you take <laughs> out like half of your deck to play this card that just like auto wins you Inteleon matchups and it doesn't even auto win anymore because of Greninja. So yeah. like you're like kind of favored versus Inteleon, you just lose to everything else because you make like half of your deck like completely dead. It's it's like the most dead card in the game. Yeah. I, I was experimenting with like two EV, one Jolt, one Capsule Peonia, and you just like because <laughs> you just go like P, you you like V-star the Peonia if you prize one, 
turn mm-hmm. two and you just like win anyway against into Inteleon and you use like one less spot. Um, wonder, I wonder. Yet. I wonder if we can get back into. I don't. I'm sure Mikey remembers this, but like, I don't know how much of it was was true or just urban legend. But like, you know, people would play Dust Skull or would try to flash their opponent a Dust Skull <laughs> so they they would play around uh, Dark Palm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you just. Point, right, I'm just gonna play one Eevee in my deck. Play Eevee. Oh, that makes you waste your time. <laughs> I, 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 I actually like that. I was thinking uh, about old, old Diamond and Pearl Dustmore, which was a common 101 tech in, in many decks when everything evolved back then. So everything played stage candies, or everything played stage twos and rare candies. But Dustmore, I think it was just from the Diamond and Pearl set. It was an old, it was an early card. Um, but if, if your opponent had four or more bench, you could just shuffle one of them back into their deck. And that was like very devastating. It was a very, very good card. And so people would, you know, playing these these mind games with their opponents. They're like, I had some of it too. Was like, also back in the day, you could play with foreign cards. You're, if you had the translation, and as long as your deck was only like fifteen percent of these foreign cards, so you'd show up with translations that like weren't in your deck, but it'd be like Duskull right here. It's in my deck for for Worlds or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, anyways, another question that I thought of: What are your thoughts on capture energy in Palkia? I've had I've been talking with a friend who's quite quite high on them. Um, I haven't tested them yet, but like his logic seems sound, and it, it's mostly being motivated by the Japanese and the way they play Palkia. Dude, dude um, what's the logic? You like attach it to Greninja, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it's just like I, I mean I can pull up what the, the argument that he gave me and read through it, but like I think it for for him at least it really hinges on whether or not you play rare candy or not and it seems to be he he thinks that if you play rare candy like it's good if you don't play rare candy it's bad it just like you can set up aqua bullet faster and it's just like easier to get uh the japanese lists don't play as many vip pass so it's like you only play one or two vip pass with the rita and this is just kind of like similar consistency there and you can just discard it with greninja power up greninja things like that um but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't like it. I don't know. VIP is like really good though. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my thought too. Like, I feel like I've tested some capture energy. Like, I feel like when people play it, they usually play like two. I did see a list on Twitter recently that had like four capture energy pockets. The same list, I think. Yeah, and like that seems better to me than like one or two captures. But I also kind of agree, like, when you start a VIP pass, you're like, I won the game. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's so good. Getting two Pokemon is so good. I've I've been, like, throwing VIP into, like, everything recently. It's, like, like every every time you start VIP, like, your your setup is just, like, guaranteed. Like, I don't know. It's really solid, and then like I play with like Chinchino engine, so you can like throw it away later. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he's a really good card. I think like a lot of engines will play structure around it. Yeah. Well, I mean, once we rotate, like Quick Ball's gone, everything's gonna be playing for VIPs. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so yeah, Brad, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think any of us have played enough games with capture, but it seems fine. But I think. We have the same kind of reaction. Um, one one other thought I had about Jolteon uh, before we move on is I feel like what we were talking about before about playing something in day two that's a little bit riskier is kind of how I view Jolteon, to be honest. Like, I think those two Japanese players partially did so well is because they just doubled down on being like, I'm going to beat Palkia. I don't really care about anything else. I'm going to try and hit the Palkia matchups and it worked out for them. Right. Um, So I just think that's a much sounder strategy in a very small concentrated field of high level players where you kind of just go for it. I don't think Jolteon really, I would be really surprised if any Jolteon makes top eight at Baltimore because you have to play so many more rounds and you just can't, hit the matchups for 14 rounds <laughs> that makes sense to me what about like um a tool scrapper being in and out of lists do you think like say palkia starts to play tool scrapper more consistently now do they just beat jolteon are they still losing to this jolteon deck and 
Is it just kind of like, well, if I, I just happened to have it and it worked, that's another question I've wondered about just moving forward, really for any Inteleon deck, not, not just Palkia. I, I can't speak for like other Inteleon decks, but I would say Palkia, I, I don't think it, like Scrapper just feels like such a dead card, like 90% of the time. And like the, if you're going like 90%, like the other like 5% of the time that it's not like dead, it's like getting rid of a big charm or something on an RCS. Like you're getting like very marginal value out of it as opposed to like playing like a card that's like really good, like crab where you like actually hit a knockout instead of just like scrapping some random tool. Like it just doesn't have a large impact in like 99% of the games you play. And then like the 1% of games you play is like games where you go second, you draw Irida off Marnie or the raw scrapper and you're hitting a Jolteon deck and the hit turns you Jolteon. Then you get like some value out of it. And it like actually actually has a chance of like winning you the game. And like every other game, it's just like it's just there. That, yeah, that's my thing. It's, it's like it's like to me, it's like oh, you have it, and then what? Like it's just like it, it. There's something else that needs to be moving, and then like yeah, it's just like it's just one of in your deck that you just expect to have. Well, you don't have access to your whole deck. Like doesn't seem very good to me either. But yeah, it's that makes sense. I I would think that like. The value of big term in the RCS matchup is like maybe worth removing, but playing crap makes it a lot different, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like, sort of the it, it's like solid against RCS, but like I think worlds. you can just play like more high impact cards. Like, I don't know, Pal Palkia has like it, it can run like the craziest cards. I mean, we're literally playing Crabomitable now and like setting up this like crazy combo because like. Palkia just like you have access to your entire deck every turn you play Irida. So that, like that's kind of the mentality I had when I was building my list as well. Was like the the best thing you can do with Palkia is like play really good Pokemon or play really good items because like the only way you hit combos is you have to start off like every turn with playing Irida. And so like having good supporter cards like Leon and stuff, I I don't think just provides you like as much value like as playing like a really good item or a really good Pokemon. So like. I, I think you can find like way more like high impact cards because you can hit like really nutty combos as long as it's like Pokemon or item based. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we talked a lot about Arceus, a lot about Palkia. Britt, you wanted to talk a little bit bit about Charizard. I, I don't have anything personally to talk about Charizard. I just have questions about it. Just like yeah, I mean, yeah. you're just more familiar, and I know like worked with Kevin. Kevin. Clemente at least a little bit in testing on the deck and obviously Ross did very well with it. Just, yeah, just sort of a survey of your opinion on the deck. Is it, is it still relevant? Is, is it really good and underrated? Is it worth respecting? Sort of everything under the sun on that front. I just like, I, I don't hit it a lot and just like, I have the cards for it and I just haven't tested it. And I don't know if it's something I should be testing, you know, those sorts of points. I think the deck is really good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, struggles against Jolteon. Um, it's flying peak matchup is like not great. It's not bad. It's like pretty close to 50, 50. It's probably about the same as Palkia into flying Pikachu. Like you can beat it, but you can lose to it. Um, which is a little annoying. Like flying peak wasn't as big of a deck going into worlds. Uh, the Palkia matchup is generally pretty good. However, uh, as we talked about before, quick shooting is really good against it. And uh, Bradner and crew played Cologne, canceling Cologne in their Palkia. And I think that that makes the matchup really hard <laughs> um, if people play it correctly. Um, so timing the Cologne at the right time, like you don't want to just, like the Palkia player should not just immediately, like for their first two prizes, gust up the Manaphy Cologne and knock some things out. Like they should plan it out a little bit better and if they're mindful of that then i think the matchup is going to be really really difficult for charizard going forward i have to play it a little bit more i haven't played the matchup too too much against cologne but that's just kind of my uh, theory since palkia basically has access to every card anytime they want they can in theory set up the canceling cologne play whenever they want and charizard deck doesn't play any hand disruption so so yeah, that's a little unfortunate. So you're kind of like looking at if people play Cologne, the Palkia matchup's kind of bad. If they don't play Cologne, the matchup's good. And then you have Flying Peak being a little rough. 
the one one of the really good things for it is the Mew matchup is insanely good. Like it's really hard to lose to Mew. So that's really good. Um, you're pretty good against other Arceus decks that are not Flying Pikachu and not Jolteon, which, you know, if people do play stuff like Agron, you're obviously really good against that. Geraldon can be a little sketchy. We saw Ross's game against that. It's winnable, but can be a little sketchy. But like Arkantel is generally a pretty good matchup. Um, I it's been doing pretty good in the online events. I don't know if you guys have looked, but uh, there's a dude that won the event last night. David Hendrickson won with looks like a mix of, I mean, Kevin and Ross's list were only a few cards off, but this is like somewhere in between their two lists. Um, and other people have been doing well with it as well. So I think people are paying attention to it. Uh, the tournament tonight, it had the highest meta share that, that I've seen it. Um, it has 19 of them out of like, what, 19 out of 275. So that's like fairly relevant, 7%. I don't think the deck will ever be more than like 5 to 7.5% of the metagame. So I wouldn't worry about it like a ton, a ton if I was going into Baltimore, but yeah, the deck's good. Liam, I know, I don't know if you've played it, played it much, but you've thought about it. Do you have any other thoughts on it? I don't know. It seems really, really good. At least like when I initially look at it, cross switchers are amazing. Like I think that's, you just hit more combos. Um, yeah, but to like target down Genesex and stuff, like, it looks like a really solid deck. Um, I mean, it's basically Palkia, right? It's kind of like the same core as Palkia, just take out the Palkia, put in Charizard stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I, I think it's like really good though, because of that, because Charizard's like so linear. I think yeah. that's a, the other thing I really like about the deck that I think like a lot of decks right now like struggle with is like it doesn't play that much energy, and like a lot of decks right now you're playing like 10 plus energy and like it just causes you to brick like mm -hmm. a fair bit of the time you just get hands full of energy and like only being able to play five energy and then you play like three energy search i i really like three energy search it's like i don't know it's, it's like really ballsy like playing three instead of like like you know the standard two but i think it's really good um, dude we lost so many games by only playing two energy search like we every single time we'll be like okay okay we we haven't lost a game in a while because uh with three energy search let's just try going back down to two and then like immediately lose a game because we prized one and used one early and we're just like we're playing three no matter what we're playing three <laughs> yeah i i think three energy search is really good um deck is just solid it's like the having Charizard be your like only attacker and you get to you get away with it because you play the heavy ball is like it's so good like it just frees up so much space for consistency yeah tech items and stuff yeah I am and like it is it's nice also that you can like the one one of the counter strategies to that is like what if people just don't attack right and they're just like oh they're just not gonna attack and like set their board up and whatnot and you're just like well i'm gonna go candy intellion and just start hitting you and like intellion's a pretty good attacker for that as well yeah, um, yeah. like and like you already have energy on it from keep calling so like they like yeah. kind of have to take that first prize yeah turn the chores around yeah yeah it's a fun deck the one of the one of the things i would be certainly concerned about if i was playing it in Baltimore is uh, time. I think it's tough to play. We are we are actually already mentioned it earlier. Um, it's tough to finish three games. You got to scoop pretty quickly, or you got to like if you're lose if you think you're going to lose game one, you got to scoop as soon as possible. Sometimes you just kind of play for one game finishing as well. Like if game one takes thirty minutes, you almost play not not that you should stall or anything, but like you're a single prize deck, you have to force them to take six prizes. Like you kind of maybe you should play for just one yeah, game. Like 30 deck searches a turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's like something to think about as well. Uh yeah. But I don't think 
I don't think uh, these other strategies with Intellion of like playing random Galarian Zapdos and random this and that, I don't think ultimately they're going to... I would be really surprised if anybody did better with any list like that with all these extra things than with just the straight Charizard. Because like you said, it makes it much smoother, much more consistent. You don't have to like choose between attackers. It gives you like less linear... Yeah, more linearity, but Charizard is just so strong. I, I I will say I do like Raikou. I think I think Raikou makes it really awkward for Palkia because it forces them to hit with a V again, mm. which like basically like ensures that you go three for four. It also means you like you literally just need Raihan to hit. So like it's like a really good turn two, turn three attacker. And like turn two Raikou is like kind of unrealistic, but if you hit that, like I think you're in a really really good spot. Yeah, yeah, I am. But like, I I think the fact that it like forces like the V response is just really really good. Um, fairly surprising. Yeah. The only other deck that I think is worth mentioning briefly is Ice Rider Palkia. I I really do think that a lot of people are going to play that at Baltimore. Um, I feel like it's a deck, it's one of the few decks that has a really solid Arceus Flying Pikachu matchup. It doesn't really care about Jolteon. It's... Are you talking about like the Bibberl version or something? Or... Yeah, 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 Bibberl. Um, it's okay against Palkia and Talion. I think the matchup is pretty close. It's probably pretty dependent on who goes first. Um, you're not that great against Mew, but it's just a solid deck. You know, Grant played it, Azul played it. A good list is out there. Um, and it's a little bit different, right? It's not the the big decks. So people don't perceive it as having like a big target on his back, which is always something that encourages people to play it. So I, I think that that'll be a fairly big deck as well. It's good. And Grant, Grant wrote that, that long post on like why Cologne is so good. And I think just like that, and obviously you said that uh, I think some other people are playing it just in their Palkia, not with Ice Rider, but I think there's a lot of strong points there. Just guarantees that Greninja is going to do work. Uh, that can just be like really the key to winning a lot of matchups, like especially from behind, I think, like uh, against Mew or something like that. If, if you need to, if you don't have time for a three Genesect and you need to kill a VMAX, like I guess the, the, Cologne's not relevant because Mew doesn't play NFT, obviously, but um, just in general, just like being able to sort of get through the anti-Greninja cards in such a simple way, it seems very strong. So we were talking uh, a little bit about Cologne versus Mew, and I actually do think it's kind of relevant because, so one of the lines against Mew, both for both Palkia decks, Palkia Intellion and Palkia Ice Rider, one of the lines you can take is Greninja onto a 90 HP Pokemon, like a Meloetta, knock it out and hit a Mew VMAX. And then you finish the knockout on the Mew VMAX and then you kill a Genesect. So that's six prizes. That doesn't work if they have Oracorio. Mm -hmm. But if you cross switch out the Oracorio, Cologne, then you can hit the Oracorio in the active, hit the Mew for... Can you just like hit the Oracorio and then chip the Mew 70? Because the Oracorio is water weak. So you one oh, 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 yeah, you're right. <laughs> you don't even need the cologne. <laughs> okay. Just on the next level. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, disregard that. But that's still the line to take, right? <laughs> or a line. <laughs> I guess the line for both Palkia decks, that's one line. And then the other line is just Gus, Genesect, or Mew Vs three times. Like, those are really the only two lines to take against Mew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we've been going for like an hour. Any uh, final thoughts before we log off? Nothing for me. Oh, that was good. Thanks for joining us. Congrats again. Yeah. What a, what a crazy win. World champion. It's pretty like, do you, do you feel better? Last question. Do you feel better or worse winning in your last year of seniors versus like winning not in your last year of seniors uh dude winning winning not in your last year of seniors would be i, I think it would be pretty sick yeah because they're like i don't know it's like a it's a like 
good way to end it, I guess. But like winning in your not last year of seniors, like couldn't you just repeat? Like, <laughs> like um, I mean, I, obviously not. But like at the same time, like you know what I mean? It's like I feel like it's it's more of an accomplishment, like in seniors when you're like still in the same division as opposed to when you age up because like you know you still like you still have to prove yourself in like a new division I guess if you know what I mean like yeah yeah at the same time though you don't I feel like you have some like built-in just sort of excuses and that like you don't have to worry about proving yourself to seniors for another year I'm sure just like every random senior that beats you is gonna like pop off and that's you know a frustrating experience or something and then also just like oh you're in masters now like I don't feel like the expectations are that high but like you won worlds like we expect you oh, to yeah. again something like that something. whereas like you know not to say that I expect you not to do well in masters I'm sure you'll, you'll do quite well um but yeah there's just like that you know that transition like are you going to be um you know the senior that never did anything in masters after like a storied career in both the youngers division like it's dodging that question seems good by winning worlds like you, you have you have that accolade just to sort of like capstone it all regardless of what happens next yeah I mean, it's winning worlds I'm, I'm really happy about that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's a good place to end it all right thank you for listening everyone hopefully brent will be back next week and we'll have uh, an intro and an outro but i'm too lazy to do that Ha, ha, ha.